0: Uh, today I want to I talk to you about a, um, a very, very crucial, important subject, I believe the, the core of Christianity, and something that if I could preach on, you know, I pastored one church 35 years, and it's something I would, I, I would like to have preached on at least twice a year, because it's so impacting, so powerful so key to us keeping at the forefront of our understanding, and that is the whole issue of forgiveness. The whole issue of forgiveness, the core of the gospel, is understanding the forgiveness that comes to us through Christ, and releasing forgiveness to others. And so today I want to talk to you, the title of the message is this, Love Keeps No Record. Love Keeps No Record. All right, let's bow our heads and let's ask the Lord to help us and speak to us individually. Father, today in Jesus' name, Lord, we stand in awe at your presence. We thank you so much for Jesus. And Lord, we ask now that you do what only you can do. Speak to each heart, each life, each individual in a way and a language that we can understand. Let your word come alive. Let it be received into our soul. Thank you for the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name everybody said, Amen. 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 Love that keeps on record. Second <clears throat> John 6 says this. Second John 6. Okay. Cool. Is this what is it? You're gonna take it? Okay. <laughs> This thing is possessed. Huh? Yes, as a matter. I tried to cast the spirit. to speak to us <laughs> it's like one of those people that interrupt the message so <laughs> take that and cast it out <clears throat> okay do we have the PowerPoint we do or yeah no 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 it's, not working. it's okay we're gonna have to follow along then and, and uh, take notes second John 6 says this love means living the way God commanded us to live it says, as you've heard from the beginning, his command is this, live a life of love. We're to live a life of love. 1 Corinthians 13 5, the 1 Corinthians 13 passage is describing love, God's love. It's describing Jesus, which is love personified, right? And then you have all the elements of what Christian love should be. And in 1 Corinthians 13 5, it says this, the God kind of love is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. Can you imagine that kind of a love? A love that is possible, a love that God calls us to, that does not hold grudges and will not even notice when others do it wrong. We can live that kind of a love, a life, right? Can you say amen? What another translation says that kind of a love keeps no record of when it's been wrong. It doesn't keep a record. You know, a record. uh, You know, we deal with a lot. I I, I took over our our compassion ministry, and we're helping a lot of people uh, integrate back into society. They 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 call them people with barriers to employment. They're coming out of prison. They're coming out of drug programs. You know, I've hired bank robbers. I've hired drug dealers, and uh, they would never be able to get a job anywhere else. And they do. They've done really well because they've come to the Lord and gotten their lives together. But they have a record. A record. It's a list of charges right, a record. Love keeps no record, right, the God kind of, talk to me here, that doesn't keep a record of what others have done wrong, a list, or a recording that's played over and over and over again. Come on. You know, somebody said, when I argue with my wife, she gets historical, and the person said, no, you mean hysterical. He said, no, no, Historical. <laughs> She goes back over everything I've ever done wrong. Come on. (laughs) But how many know a God kind of a love doesn't get historical? Amen. Psalm 130, verse 3 says, Lord, if you kept a record, if you kept a record of our sins, who would ever survive? Come on, talk to me. If you kept records, who would survive? But you offer forgiveness. We may learn to fear you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You want me to get rid of this? Yeah. Yeah, okay, let's get rid of this. I am so sorry. That's okay. Not a problem. That's fine. We're good. Test. All right, here you go. Alright, the the two greatest transactions in, can you hear me? The two greatest transactions in Christianity are this. Here's the two greatest transactions, like breathing in and breathing out. The two greatest transactions are you and I receiving forgiveness from God. We receive. And then in turn, we release forgiveness to others. Forgiveness is so powerful And life transforming has power to free you from so much. It has power to heal you of so many things. It has power to restore relationships. Now, here's what I understand from reading the Bible. Forgiving and forgiveness is very often misunderstood. Because see, forgiveness is something we want to receive very quickly. But we want to give very carefully. Is that true? Right? In Matthew 18, one of the great, which is where we're going to, if you've got your Bible, maybe open to Matthew 18, and uh, the, the 21st verse, <clears throat> Peter said this. You know, Peter was always the one that would speak up. He said, "Lord, how many times?" See, Jesus is talking about church discipline and you know and all that, and, and all of a sudden Peter's getting his thought. Uh oh. How many times should I forgive someone who does something wrong against me? And he said. He said, is seven times enough? And Jesus answered, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Let me tell you why he said that. The rabbis of that day taught, you you have to forgive people, but only three times. Just three. (laughs) So that's one. (laughs) That's two. You know, three strikes, you're out, right? So Three times. So here's here's Peter being magnanimous. Okay, Lord, I get it. Okay, I get it. Forgive us. Uh, how about seven times? That's twice plus one. We're going way beyond the rabbis, way beyond religion. And Jesus said, how about 70 times seven? And the thought to Peter is, how would I ever keep track? <laughs> three I could keep track of, but how am I going to keep track? In a day. 70 times seven in a day. How do you keep track of that? That's the point. You do not. (laughs) Dr. David Siemens said this. Please listen carefully. He's a counselor. Many years ago, I was driven to the conclusion that the major cause of most emotional problems among Christians are these the failure to understand, receive, and live out God's unconditional love. Forgiveness and grace to other other people. We read, we hear, we believe. A good theology of grace. But that's not the way we live. The good news of the gospel has not penetrated the level of our emotions. You know, you only believe the parts of the Bible you practice. Now, C.S. Lewis... Said this, this is so powerful. Listen, because do we practice it? He said, forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have something to forgive. Wow. Do you believe in forgiveness? Absolutely. Until it affects me. Proverbs 14:10 says this: each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can fully share its joy. Another translation, no one else can really know how sad or happy you really are. What the Bible's saying is, you can't take two people that get hurt by the same thing and say, I understand. All right? if, 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 I, I've talked to parents who have lost children to gun violence. I've talked to women that have been abused, men that have been abused. And you can't say, I, I totally understand, because the situation is totally different, number one. And number two, the impact upon the, the psyche and the soul of every individual is different. Amen. Every heart knows its own pain. And I think it's demeaning to say, I understand, because you don't. Come on, say amen. 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 And if you've been through something traumatic, nobody understands except one. And that's Jesus. Amen. But the Bible does identify and acknowledge every heart knows its own pain. Nobody else can really understand how what you've gone through has affected you. That's, so That's so true. Now, <clears throat> we are commanded to forgive. I've heard people say, no, no, God doesn't d- command we forgive. Oh, yes, he does. And I'll prove it to you by the time I'm done. But we don't understand forgiveness. The word "forgive" in the Greek "forgive." You must forgive. What does the word "forgive" mean? It means this. Ready? To let go. Let go. Let go. To release someone from a debt or obligation. Let it go. How many people are carrying stuff with them? Their whole life. Carrying it. Someone defined forgiveness this way. Forgiving is letting go of our resentment, our desire to get even, our grudges, and releasing the other person who hurt us to the Lord. Now, look. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. All right, let, let's say, okay, somebody's done something horrific to you. Let's say an abuser. You mean, are you telling me, Pastor Mike, to go back into that abuse? No, I'm not. I'm not telling you that at all. I'm not telling you to be reconciled to a person that's done bad things. I'm telling you, God says you've got to forgive them. It takes one person to forgive, two to be reconciled. Let me give you an example. If I, if I, it just, just picture right here, there's me and someone who did something against me. Okay? In between us are two things two barriers number one what they did and number two how they feel about what they did so when I when I see this person this abuser this person that violated me that this person has done me wrong there's two barriers now between us what they've done and how they feel about what they've done what my my responsibility is to let go of of what they've done against me. Let go of the resentment, let go of the bitterness, let go of the grudge, right? And so I release that person, but they are still responsible for what they've done. I never have to be reconciled to that person until they acknowledge what they've done, repent, ask forgiveness. Then a relationship can be restored. Do you understand that? But see, they say when you forgive you set a prisoner free and you find a prisoner you set free as you you don't understand yes I totally understand unforgiveness will kill you now watch Jesus in, in Matthew 18 and 23 he starts teaching on the power of forgiveness I'm going to make three points point number one to understand forgiveness you and I must first realize how merciful and, God, and forgiving God has been toward us. Amen. You're never going to understand forgiveness until you take it in the context of the gospel and how merciful and forgiving God has been toward you. It should break us. Matthew 18, 23. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts With his servants. There comes a day we're going to settle accounts. And when he had begun to settle accounts. Someone who was brought. Someone was brought before him. That owed him. Ten thousand talents. Say ten thousand talents. How much is that? I'll tell you in a minute. But he was not able to pay. The master commanded. That he be sold. You owe this debt? You owe 10,000 talents. Pay it. I want. We're going to settle up right now. You're going to pay your debt. I can't pay it. Please have mercy on me. He, 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 he said he, he commanded him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had until payment could be made. The servant fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I'll repay you everything. Now Here's what the Bible says. This is Jesus talking about our Heavenly Father. Then, the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave the debt. Compassion, release, and forgiveness. See, how many know there's going to be a day when we're going to be called into account for our lives? (laughs) This guy owed 10,000 talents. The Bible's teaching us that our God is so full Of mercy and forgiveness. Psalm 86 verse 5. Lord you are so good. So ready to forgive. So good. So ready to forgive. So full of unfailing love. For anybody who asks for your help. Come on say amen. Amen. Ephesians 1 7. So overflowing is his kindness toward us. That he took away all our sins. Through the blood of his son. By whom we are saved. How many of our, how many of our sins did he take away? All I'm gonna come down here. Do you know that psychologists talk about the deepest desires of all human beings? There's there's four or five, which I, I'm not gonna go into right now, but one of the deepest desires of every human being, every one of us wants it, every person you meet desires it, and that is forgiveness. That is another chance. That, that is, is there redemption for me? Can I, can I be forgiven no matter how far I've sunk? No matter how bad it's gotten? Is there forgiveness? How many know sometimes with people there isn't? But how many you know with Jesus there is? Come on, say amen. This is what the Bible's teaching us. I'm going to show you in a minute what 10,000... Do do you, what, what, you don't even know what a talent is. 10,000, I'm going to tell you. You're going to see. But I want to tell you the power of the gospel... Is you have a God who loves you, a God who is not one bit reluctant to forgive you, and not only to forgive you partially and not say this much you got to pay for, but to say I'm going to forgive everything totally, complete, and at once. Come on, say Amen. That's the gospel. You know, I was on an airplane. I, I got. I can't digress. I start telling stories. I'm on an airplane, and long story short, I'm sitting next to some well-known actor. I didn't know at first. Kid is hat on, glasses, and, and uh, he, he didn't want to talk. Well, I don't care, I didn't know who he was. And, and we're sitting in first class, and I'm working on a sermon. And next day, he looks over at me and he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm working on a sermon. I, I looked at him, I go, I know who you are. And he puts out his hand, he introduces himself. And uh, he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm working on a sermon. I, I, I go, I'm a pastor. He goes, well, I, I played a pastor in a movie. I said, well, that's good, I'm, one, I'm a real one so I said since you played a pastor let me ask you a question are you a Christian he goes well I'm spiritual you know that's the hell oh, there was spiritual I said, no, are you a Christian he goes, no I'm spiritual he goes you know I would go to church if there was a church that practiced forgiveness I said buddy that's the gospel and I start telling him a, I start telling him a bible story about the prodigal son and how much how he messed up his life And how he left his father and went and lived a life of debauchery, wasted his inheritance. And here he comes back, lost everything, filthy, covered in mire. And the father is waiting for him, runs and covers him with kisses and receives him back. The guy starts to cry. The plane lands. Okay, we had a moment. I get up to leave. He grabs my arm. Wait a minute. He goes, tell me another story. I said, well, how much time do you have? And he had had an hour layover. He and I went, and uh, I preached to him for an hour. What I'm saying to you is that here's the point. I don't care if you're an actor, if you're a street bum. Here's the deal. Forgiveness is something everyone craves. All through our life. Come on, say amen. 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 And it is something your heavenly father is never reluctant to give you. Are you hearing me today? Listen to me. No matter what you've done, look look at me. Christ paid it all. No matter what you've done, your Father, through Jesus, has paid the complete and total price for you. This is one of the deepest desires in every human being. So forgiveness for us to understand, you have to understand how merciful and forgiving God has been to you. Come on, let's, let's say thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us. <laughs> number two here's where we have problems because we are human. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, but boy, well, I'll tell you something we are brats. <laughs> Point number two forgiving others is easy when you understand the debt God has forgiven you. The reason why people hold on to stuff because you don't understand the depth of what you've been forgiven. Let's continue on. Matthew 18:28. <clears throat> this one servant owes 10,000 talents, falls down before the master, begs for uh, for patience to pay the debt. The master doesn't even acknowledge that, has compassion releases him, and forgives the debt. What does this guy do? Human nature, you ready? Oh, oh, you found it. Oh, yeah. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii, ten thousand thousand talents. And he, he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, and said, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down on his feet, begged him, saying, have patience with me. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? So, I'll repay you everything. But he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Uh Uh-oh. You mean to tell me you were just in church and you heard the gospel and then you went out of church and you found somebody that offended you or wronged you, and you could not show any mercy like you've been shown mercy. Look at this quote, the scripture: "If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal." I wonder sometimes what people experience when they say they experience the gospel. When I met Jesus, my life had been broken, broken. I realize, well, I've been forgiven. There's no choice. Now, let's compare these debts. A hundred denarii, ten thousand talents. Go ahead, put that next slide up. A hundred denarii versus ten thousand talents. A hundred denarii, a denarii was basically a day's wage. And you could literally carry, you know, let me tell you, I'm Italian. And, you know, it's, I'm a little bit different than a lot of the Italians you see because they carry big wads of money. My wife always says, do you have any cash? I don't have any. You take it all. You and the kids spend it all. Yeah. Every time I turn around, you got a dollar, got a five, got a twenty. Well, what do you think? I can't keep printing this stuff. <laughs> but these Italian guys, man, they got a wad of cash, you know. They whip it out. A hundred denarii could be carried in a man's pocket. This is what man owes to man, all right? It's a debt you could carry. Go ahead, 10,000 talents. How much was 10,000? Go ahead, next slide. Yeah, no? Oh, are right, you ready? 10,000 talents. Oh, 10,000. Are right, you ready now? Here's what 10,000 talents is. It would require 8,000. 8, 600 men each carrying a sack of coins weighing 60 pounds that would form a line five miles long get it in your mind right now a point five miles from here and when you come before God Lord Jesus forgive me of my sins okay instantly this is your debt you think it's nothing if I were to preach on you what could a man give in exchange for his soul It says in Psalms, there's not enough money in all the world to pay for one. It costs the precious blood of Christ. Your debt, 8,600 men. 60 pounds. Can you imagine this line? Five miles down the road. Could, Could you just have mercy? I'll repay you. I don't think so. Instantly compassion, release, forgiveness. 10,000 talents, let's go on, was equal to 17 years wages for 10,000 men. You got a a big staff, got a big crew? Pay 10,000 people every year for 17 years. The total annual tax collected from Israel was only 900 talents a year. Solomon's temple, and that guy could spend (laughs) that man could spend was only 8,000 talents ready? next one 10,000 talents was not a specific amount it was the largest number expressible in the Greek language at that time so what Jesus is saying is going to pull I don't know, I'm not a mathematician but they, they have words now for Uh, you know it was billions, trillions, gazillions I don't know what it is but if you owed this whatever this new term is of an amount that we can't calculate and that's how much you've been forgiven and you can't forgive see you know what he's saying to us well you and I the sin and depravity and iniquity that we the debt we owe before God we cannot pay. We need a savior. Amen. But what man does to man can be forgiven. Next one. The only one who truly understands forgiveness is the one who practices it. Watch Psalm Psalm one oh three David talked to himself. You and I should talk to ourselves sometime. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Watch. I tell myself. And never forget. Hey, self, listen. Don't ever forget all the good things he does for me. What does he do? He forgives all my sins. And he heals all my diseases. Come on, say amen. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. What man does to man can be forgiven. But we owe God. We need a Savior for And if that Savior has stepped into our life and we realize how much we've been forgiven, why are we holding on to stuff that destroys us? Are you alright? Yeah. Now I'm going to really cut a little deeper as this story goes on. Number three, forgiveness is granted or must be granted because of the terrible consequences of not forgiving. Uh, On with Matthew 18. Then the man's friends went to the king and told him what had happened. And the king called before him the man he had forgiven and said, You evil-hearted wretch! Here I forgave you all that tremendous debt just because, go ahead, just because you asked me to, shouldn't you, this is Jesus talking, representing our Father, shouldn't you have had mercy on others just as I had mercy on you? Uh Uh-oh. Then the angry king sent a man to the torture chamber until he had paid every last penny due so shall my heavenly father do to you if you refuse to truly forgive your brothers let me ask you a question I just told you how much 10,000 talents is how soon do you think that guy's going to pay that debt? Never. Never. never how long is he going to be in the torture chamber? forever never. I don't believe that well you better believe it it's in red in your bible <laughs> I pastored 35 years. I pastored from the time we had 20 people to we had 2,000 people. I've watched all kinds of stuff people do to people. I've watched some beautiful stories of forgiveness and I've watched people get filled with resentment and bitterness and destroy their lives. Let me tell you what unforgiveness can do to you now as we draw this to a close. Go ahead. Unforgiveness can lead to a bunch of problems beginning with spiritual problems. I had one of the great crusade evangelists of our day, uh, Carlos Anacondia from Argentina. He'd been to our church five times. He's literally won millions of people to the Lord all over the world. I said to him, Carlos, you've been in Asia, you've been in India, you've been in Europe, you, you've been all through uh, Africa, you've been all through the Americas, all South America. Preach to millions and millions of people what is the number one problem you encounter without, without hesitation he said unforgiveness bitterness and hatred number one wow. he said about uh, 70 to 90% of people when they respond to an altar call unforgiveness bitterness hatred It hinders your spiritual growth, hinders your relationship with God. You, you, you can't pray properly, you will not grow. You wonder why so many people are spiritual cripples? A lot of churches are doing encounters, or what they call them, uh, It's all different names. You know, you know the main thing they're taking you through when they take you through these encounters? The very thing I'm talking about right now. Who hurt you? Let it go. Look, whenever you stand praying, whenever, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, let it drop, leave it, let it go, in order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. Now, I don't have time, but another another, uh, version, another time Jesus said, if you're standing there praying and you remember somebody has something against you. Wait, you have something, they have something. Whenever you come before God, if you want your spirit clean, you have to live a life free of offense. As much as lies within you, be at peace with all men. Come on. Spiritual problems. Number two, how about emotional problems? If you are angry, be sure that it's not out of wounded pride or bad temper. Never go to bed angry, don't give the devil, that sort of a foothold. You know, it's like when you get angry, it's like wet cement. You know, my wife and I made a, when I became a Christian, before I was a Christian, I was a piece of work. (laughs) But when I became a Christian, I said, we'll not go to bed angry. Ooh, we went to bed really late some nights. (laughs) But I wasn't going to let the devil get that kind of a foothold. How many people go to bed angry every night, and you think about it, and meditate on it, and you know what? The concrete's getting harder and harder. Your heart's getting harder and harder. And all of a sudden, that anger and hurt turns to disillusionment, turns to discouragement, turns to depression. You know one of the major reasons, the major reason why people leave churches and you fall out in their spiritual walk? You pastor, What is it? Tell me what the reason is. Forgiveness bitterness, bitterness. Yes. Absolutely. Is that right? I'm oh, mad. I'm upset. Got your nose out of joint. They hurt me. Who hurt me? Ba, 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 ba. Because we fail to let the gospel penetrate deeply into our soul. Great peace have all they which love your word, and nothing shall by any means offend them. Oh. You're not going to offend me out of church, because what you do to me is a hundred denarii. Oh, man, I'm going to stand here before God, because when he's forgiven me, I could never repay. And I'm going to live a life of gratitude and, and adoration and worship. Come on, I am standing in the house of the Lord. No devil in hell is going to upset my faith. Come on. Or, 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 or are you going to carry the record? No, no. You don't don't understand. Oh, I I understand. You don't know what they did. Okay, tell me about it. And how comes the record? Alright. Unforgiveness is a poison. It poisons the heart and mind with bitterness, distorting your whole perspective on life. Anger, resentment, and sorrow begin to overshadow and overwhelm the unforgiving person. A kind of soul pollution that inflames evil appetites and evil emotions. They're transformed. The only antidote is forgiveness. Carl Menninger, the great psychiatrist, said if he would go through the mental institutions and he'd say, I could have ninety percent of these people released if they would just forgive. How much pain do you want to endure? In marriages, somebody makes a mistake, a sin, something happens. How much hell do you want to live through when there's forgiveness and grace? Every human heart longs for it. Are you with me? Spiritual problems, emotional problems. Number three, all types of sickness and disease. I've been shocked. I've been shocked. Holding resentment and bitterness has been linked to many physical and mental complaints. We can become locked in the straitjacket of our own resentment It has been described as a videotape in the mind, playing its tormenting reruns, shackling us to the unremitting pain of a raging memory. Look, look. I was preaching on this at our church. Uh, I I, I told you if I could do it twice a year, I would do it. And we got this bodybuilder, you know, this guy's like all muscles everywhere. I said, come up here, I want to give an illustration. And I had my briefcase. And I said, how is that? Very heavy. Oh, Pastor, that's light. That's light. Okay. I said, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to be preaching here, and I want you to hold my briefcase out like this. Just hold it up. Oh, no problem. Big muscles. He's holding out my briefcase. Not heavy. And uh, after five minutes, ten minutes, his arms started shaking. I go, how are you doing over there? Good, 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 good. <laughs> his arm's shaking. And so he couldn't hold it. I said, what's wrong? Can't hold it. Because your body's starting to break down. You weren't meant to hold something like that. Let me ask you a question. When you carry a record, when you carry a weight in your emotions, at first, it's okay. But don't you think at some point that weight is gonna cause something to break down? Something's gonna happen to you physically? I was preaching in a large church in Pennsylvania. Thousands. And before I got up to preach, the guy the guy had a <coughs> had a tremendous healing miracle in his own life. Got healed of leukemia. And from that, God gave him a healing ministry. <coughs> watch this, Mike, watch this before you got to preach. He starts calling out words of knowledge. Powerful healings all over the church. Wow. Okay, I preach on forgiveness. I preach on forgiveness probably a thousand people came to the altar. And I'm getting ready to pray and all of a sudden on this side of the altar I hear a scream. Ah! What's going on? There was a lady who had a crippled hand. That every healing evangelist, I can name them all, you know, pray for her. And a church with a healing ministry, she never got, got healed. When she realized she was carrying unforgiveness, she at the altar released that forgiveness her hand exploded open. They brought up on the platform to give testimony. I, I could tell you stories all day. I'll give you another one. <clears throat> we, we brought the pastors together in our area every week for prayer. Because there was so much division. <clears throat> one particular morning, there was only a few of us, maybe four. And this pastor came in. And I guess he felt, he felt vulnerable because there was such a small crowd. Excuse me. I need prayer. I said, what's wrong? He said, I have an inoperable brain tumor on the stem of my brain, and they've given me six months to live. Wait. So I go to put my hand on I said, wait a minute. Let me ask you a question. When did you get diagnosed with this condition? And he said, uh, like, whatever, eight years ago or ten years ago. And I said, well, did anything significant happen around that time. No no so just think about it. He said well yeah, he goes uh, I had a young man, my protege I was training to take over the church, betrayed me, split the church and left. But he, I forgive him. No 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> just humor me, humor me, <clears throat> humor me. I want to walk you through some forgiveness for this young man. We walked him through some prayer which I'll, I'll pray with you guys if you want. And his wife lets out a scream, bang, goes on the ground. He gets hit with the Holy Spirit, goes on the ground. He released forgiveness. All I can tell you that was 20 years ago, and he's still alive. He's still preaching. I'll tell you another one. I'll tell you another one. I I can tell you stories all day. Because, see, sometimes our sickness is not physiological. Now I'm not saying all sickness is spiritual. But sometimes, some things we're carrying, it's a breakdown because we're carrying a record. We had this couple in our church. You guys all right? Yeah. Okay, we had this couple in our church <coughs> that adopted special needs children from overseas. They took the children that nobody else wanted. So if somebody adopted a child and they couldn't take it, they would, they would take the, it was the last chance. And they get this one young boy, 12 years old from Thailand and he had a host of problems. <clears throat> he had uh, m- uh, mental retardation, inter- interuterine retardation. He had a condition called reactive attachment disorder. If anybody's a psychologist here, you, you know what I'm talking about, reactive attachment disorder. And when they have that, they don't want to be touched. So it's, tip- it's very common among orphans and children who had trauma. And he would walk with his arm extended, don't touch me. And they're very loving and kind Christian family and with the other kids he wouldn't let the other kids touch him the longer that <clears throat> over the year they had him he's getting worse and worse and worse Of course and they said you know with with uh, reactive attachment disorder there's absolutely no healing that's it you got it you that's it and so he's getting violent with the other kids he's destroying stuff um, he's stealing he's lying and they, they, they're, they're at wits' end. <clears throat> One Sunday morning, I'm preaching in our church on forgiveness, the power to let things go. And this 14 year old boy, he's 14 now, comes up to the altar with his stepmom, adopted mom. You never know what happens at an altar. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of this until she wrote me. He forgave. He got touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was seeing a psychi- psychologist, psychiatrist weekly. When he went back that week for his examination, the doctor said, what's happened to this boy? She said, we got prayer at church. She said, from the, the, that Sunday he went home, instead of walking with his arm out, he allowed them to touch him. Every morning he'd get up, he'd hug his, a, his adoptive mom. <laughs> he started growing in school. Everything began to change the psychologist or psychiatrist said this is an absolute miracle because reactive attachment disorder Does not they don't ever recover from that But God come on say amen, but God See the damage That the devil sin life Causes us the deep wounds that we suffer is there redemption Is there an answer is there a savior? is there some place we can go to exchange our ashes for beauty come on physical healing last one and I'm done (coughs) is broken relationships I think you know one of the worst problems is what unforgiveness does to families and friends Hebrews 12. Look after each other so that not one of you will fail to find God's best blessings. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you for as it springs up it causes deep trouble hurting many in their spiritual lives. A root of bitterness. It affects everybody. Everything around you. This root has grown up. we got to watch each other. Proverbs. Go to the next one. Do not say... You know, I don't get mad. I get even. (laughs) Do not say, I will do to others if they have done to me. I will pay them back for what they've done. Don't say that. In the Bible, there's a story of one of David's most trusted counselors you probably would overlook it. I, David's one of my favorite Old Testament Bible characters. And I've studied his life. There's a, one of his counselors was a man named Ahithophel. Ahithophel. And they said, when Ahithophel gave you counsel, it was like the counsel of God. It was like this guy had the ear of God. It was like you go to him and you got the word. And when David's son Absalom rose up against him, immediately Ahithophel turned on David. Why? David's men were loyal to death. You never saw that amongst David's men. He's the only one I know of that betrayed him. Why? I always wonder, why, 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 why? And you don't understand why Ahithophel did that until you go into the genealogies. And when you go into the genealogies, you find out that Bathsheba was Ahithophel's, I think his his, uh, granddaughter, and when David committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Uriah killed, Ahithophel, the wise man he was, he internalized it. And he said, I'm not going to get mad, but I am going to get even. And he stayed quietly on staff, <laughs> quietly supported everything. The day's going to come. There's going to be a vulnerability. When that moment comes, that will drive a sword through your heart. How is it that people turn like that? You follow me? Yeah. I don't get mad; I get even. Don't say that. Next one: Gospel. Be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so I told you you must forgive others. Last one, and I'm done. Go to the last verse. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. How quick? Instantly. How thoroughly? Completely.